evening, everyone. Okay, turn to book of Jonah, chapter number four. Jonah chapter number four, actually, lesson 13, actually, finishing off the, uh, finishing off the, our study in the uh, book of Jonah tonight, study in the book of Jonah, that can thank John for covering last, uh, last Sunday night when out of town, um, I think it was doing a lot of review, kind of kind of hopefully just recovering and looking over some things that we had looked at in Jonah, help nail us home a little bit more. And then now the last last lesson here, lesson number 13 in, uh, in our study here, get plugged in so we can get the PowerPoint going, lesson number 13, a painful prison, actually let me get you your, right there, okay. Lessons. Hey, Joel, could you hand these out for me? Hand these out real quick. And Jonah chapter 4, <clears throat> as you're receiving your notes there. The text is the last, uh, I think it's the last eight verses. Well, yeah, last eight verses here of Jonah chapter 4. So we'll go ahead and read those. Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through, actually verse 4, we'll just read start in verse 4, verses 4 through 11, it says, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow until he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle." Lesson number 13, a painful prison. Let's go ahead and just uh, and pray before we get going here this evening. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here um, this evening and once again talk about this 
this, um, this subject here of Jonah and this study and a good kind of conclusion lesson. Again, there's a lot of kind of good thoughts that kind of stood out to me in this. And ask that you'd uh, just use me to convey what you would come, have come across to, um, to, the, to the listeners and everything this evening, Lord, that it would be you know, your words and that you would speak to the hearts in ways, maybe not even how I'm trying to say, but that you would just uh, speak to every one of us here and um, the, with the truths and everything on this lesson here, as we see in, in Jonah. And again, that you just be with us and keep us, um, be able to stay focused and um, attentive to your word as much as possible this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, no doubt you've heard the expression, you made your bed, now you have to sleep in it. And that's basically the dilemma that Jonah faces here as the book closes. Now, everything has changed around him, but him. It's him and his heart, basically. And it's interesting to think about. He's probably more miserable now than he was in the whale's belly. At least he wasn't asking to die back then. Isn't that interesting? You see him twice. We saw one last time, and then now he repeats it twice today in this lesson here. And there's probably there's a lot of people today that spend their lives in prisons without bars. And Jonah's definitely one of them here. So point number one, all the the three main points, the blank letter or the blank word starts with an I is a contentious, and I will say some of these words tonight, if you get them, you're doing great because <laughs> some of these words are doing, there's uh, some good. I had to look up what one of these words means. I didn't, haven't heard it since like spelling or etymology class in high school. So um, not this one, but a contentious, starts with an I. Um, let me explain this one. Got it. Of course, you can probably see it right there. A contentious intolerance right there. A contentious intolerance. That is correct. Can you see it now? There you go. Because this next one, you might need to see it. A contentious intolerance, which is now point A. Both sub point A. Both of these start with an I as well. And this is the one I was telling you that if you get this one, um, this is doing pretty good. I had to look up what this word meant because I haven't seen it in a while. It's a, because uh, I've heard it before, but I didn't know what it, remember what it meant. I'll just go and put it up there. An incorrigible attitude. Does anybody know what that means? <laughs> Has the idea of like beyond not able to be fixed or not able to be reformed. We talk about, I think of prisoners kind of like that, incorrigible not able to be changed or reformed, basically. So you think about that, an incorrigible attitude in this situation. You know, God, think about here, in this, our, our lesson here. You know, God has been merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy, but Jonah still remains sullen and disgusted in his spirit. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. 
Now, it's often said that attitude determines altitude. At this point, it's interesting, think about this point. At this point in our story here, Jonah is of no value to the work of God because of his lousy attitude, except as a lesson of what not to be. Jonah's really making himself very unusable. Did you think about it? He already went and declined not to, and he had to have a little adjustment to even do what he was supposed to do. He did it, but it obviously wasn't with the right spirit that he did it. And it's continuing. You can see it. It really never went here. And the most dangerous thing about an evil spirit, like not talking about like a devil or anything like that, but like just your spirit, is that it's contagious. It's contagious in a church. It's contagious in a workplace. It's contagious anywhere. Um, perhaps that's why God tried to console Jonah here and pull him out of it. That's what God was talking to him here. Jonah was a danger to everyone around him. Proverbs 29.8 says, Scornful men bring a city into a snare. Um, James 3.14-16, I think that's the first verses here, so we'll start with the pictures over there. But if you have bitter in you and you strive in your heart, glory not and why not against the truth. <coughs> this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And listen to the concern in Paul's voice here as he speaks to the Christians at Rome in Romans 16, 17, 18. And I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and that good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So we have an incorrigible attitude. Now we have subpoint B, a something attitude. Think prisoner again. Can you guys hear me okay? I know I'm like having to talk <laughs> down here today. So if you, just, you can't hear me, just like do that and I'll know what you mean. A something attitude. Again, think of a prisoner. Think of prisoner, think of the lesson, painful prison. Not insolent, not insulting. Think of if someone is in prison, they are. There you go, an incarcerating attitude. I told you, some of these words tonight are, are uh, pretty good ones. I think they do get a little easier from here. An incarcerating attitude. John 8.34. Jesus answered them, Very, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And Jonah had built the bars that held him because of his sinful attitude here. Proverbs 5.22. His own iniquity shall take the root himself, and he shall be holding to the words of his soul. And Romans 6.16. To whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. No, you can play around with sin just like you can you know, choose to have a, a python, something for a pet, you know, as the, as the example is here. Or you think of like a alligator or a caiman or something like that. But just like that, 
snake or reptile. The problem with it is a little sin, it never stays little. Because one day, when that example here, that python wraps itself around your life, you won't have power to free yourself from it. Jesus is talking about whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. This is, an, this is a, from Acts chapter 8, verse 23. I think this is Peter talking to someone. Um, but this pretty much describes Jonah right here. It says, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. That, uh, I think this is Simon the Sorcerer there. The, um, that pretty good description of Jonah right now, isn't it? In the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So point two here, we had uh, a contentious intolerance, and now a continuous, starts with an I, 4th of July, independence, continuous independence, yep. Now the selfish disobedience that we easily see in chapter one with Jonah continues here to the end of the story. Now, while there were some desperate foxhole prayers, we looked at those, in times of difficulty, has really anything changed in Jonah's heart, really? He's still doing that which was right in his own eyes. So, subpoint A, both of the, um, all three of these start with a J. Start with a J. A lack of... I was going to say, Anna, this is interesting, there's some really good statements here now in the rest of, in this point, and then even continuing that are kind of really stood out to me in here, but revival always brings joy. Acts 8, 5 to 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. Well, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. No doubt there was a similar spirit here in the city of Nineveh that followed their repentance and faith. But no, while the burden of sin had been lifted from the hearts of countless thousands, Jonah sat alone and along by the east, on the east side of the city, waiting and hoping for judgment to fall on him. Really. It's interesting. These next couple, this next statement here. Now, Jonah had a head knowledge of what was right, but he had no heart to do what he knew. This is an interesting statement here. Joy in the Christian life does not come because of what we know. Joy in the Christian life doesn't come from what we know. Think of 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffeth up. Joy is a result of what we do with those things that we know to be true. John thirteen seventeen. That's Jesus speaking to his disciples there. Happy are ye if you know these things. Happy are ye if you do them. 
Now, joy doesn't come because of what we know. It becomes of what we do with what we know. James 1, 22 to 25 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Lack of joy is always a result of a lack of obedience. That's kind of a convicting statement. <laughs> Again, it's not talking about happiness or emotional feeling, but lack of joy is always a result of a lack of obedience. So then obviously we think about what the converse side of that <laughs> is, and that's a convicting statement. Subpoint B, we have a lack of joy and a lingering of jealousy. jealousy. Yep, that is correct. Now Jonah's still upset in his mind that God hasn't treated him fairly. You know, why should he suffer what he suffered, no, and the whale, while Nineveh gets off scot-free just because they repented? It's an interesting thought. Think about that. Proverbs 6, 34 to 35. Whoever has the next that is. <coughs> For jealousy is the rage of man, therefore he will not spare any attention. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content. Though thou givest many gifts. The wisdom of Solomon is well stated here in the Song of Solomon, verse chapter 8, verse 6. says, Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath the most vehement flame. So a lingering of jealousy, you still see Jonah's attitude coming through on that. So subpoint C, we have a lack of joy, a lingering of jealousy, and then C, a looking for judgment. A looking for judgment. And there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. That's Jonah 4, 5. Now, Jonah is still waiting for and hoping for God's judgment to fall on Nineveh here. He has experienced personally the mercy of God, but he can't bring himself to believe that God is going to spare them. Is that kind of, it kind of was bringing me back to know what, remember one of the parables that Jesus was giving of the unforgiving servant or the man who owed 10,000 talents and then couldn't pay it? And then his Lord forgave him, and then he went out and found someone that owned him, like, I don't know what it was, like 100 pence or something like that. And took him by the throat and then threw him in jail because he, couldn't, he wouldn't, couldn't pay him on that. He's experienced personally. It's kind of interesting to think about that. Never really thought of it that way, but he very much experienced God's mercy because God so could have written him off, but he didn't. He experienced personally the mercy of God, but he couldn't bring himself to believe that God was going to show it to them. That's kind of, remember what he talked about in the first part of chapter 4? I knew that you were going to, that you're a merciful God and you would forgive them if they returned to you. 
because he, he didn't want that to happen. When God's word is obeyed, God has a biblical track record of forgiveness. And when God forgives, there's no lingering cloud of judgment. Think about Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Psalm 103, verse 12. Far have you removed our transgressions from us? In Isaiah 4325. I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will remember, and I will not remember thy sins. Isaiah 4325. Another kind of statement really stood out to me. Now, when God's word is obeyed, God has a biblical track record of forgiveness. And when God forgives, there's no lingering cloud of judgment. So moving on to our, our last point here tonight. We had a contentious intolerance. We have a continuous independence. And now point three, a covetous... What was it? Not individual. This is a adjective, not a, not a noun. Actually, adjective or adverb, one of them, or exactly what it is. A covetous, this has to do more with the other part that we haven't talked about yet. It has to do with a, some, some, talking about some plant life. Some plant life. A covetous. He definitely was not this. It's a covetous ingratitude. A covetous ingratitude. This has to do with uh, chapter 4, verses 6 to 9. Someone just want to volunteer to read those? Uh, Jonah 4, 6 to 9. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding by of the Lord. So God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the door that it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished him himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou, uh, Doest thou well to be angry for the Lord? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. It's kind of crazy. That's the third time in nine verses that he's talked about wanting to die in this point. It, it kind of struck me in verse 6 as well, the, talking about the gourd. It might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Isn't that kind of interesting, just the wording that's used there? So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So sub-point A is both, both of these start with a... Uh, all three of these start with an M, a something condolence, a longer word. A miss something condolence. <laughs> a misunderstood condolence. 
The gourd was a picture of God's mercy on Nineveh. Unlike the people of Nineveh, however, Jonah is glad for the gourd, but he doesn't recognize it as a gift from God. He was glad for the gourd, but he wasn't grateful for the gourd or for the God who had provided it. Isn't that interesting? He was glad for the gourd, but he wasn't grateful for the gourd. Because Jonah apparently feels that God owes him something here. Now, in reality, God doesn't have to do anything for us. We don't deserve his grace, but he's more than glad to give it to those who are grateful for such a gift. First um, Peter 5, 5 to 6, Now, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Then Psalm 138, verse 6. So we have subpoint A, a misunderstood condolence. And then subpoint B is a something characteristic. <laughs> he doesn't have it. Go a missing characteristic. Yep, a missing characteristic. What do you think that is? Right off, by the way. Now check the book of Jonah carefully and see if you can ever find a time when he's ever thankful. He wasn't thankful for God's will in his life. He was certainly not thankful for the chastisement. He was not, he's not thankful for a second chance. He wasn't thankful for the revival in Nineveh. And he was not thankful for God's provision from the heat in chapter 4. If, you don't, if we don't have a gratitude attitude, we simply have an attitude. If we don't have a gratitude attitude, we simply have an attitude. Romans 1 lists some despicable sins, you know, in verses 26 to 32. You know, the people who commit these you know, terrible sins are described in verse 32 as, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You know, of course, that's a very sad state of affairs. You know, sin is committed and the consequences are treated lightly. They're laughed to scorn. But where does that all start? What's the cause of it? If you go back in Romans 1, 21, you see kind of the beginning of this lifestyle. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, do you know God? Is He God in your life? Or like Jonah, are you being your own God? Now, the next step after a disobedient spirit is an ungrateful spirit. And the rest, as they say... It's history. If we don't have a gratitude attitude, we simply have an attitude. And now our last point or subpoint here, we have a a misunderstood condolence. That was subpoint A. Subpoint B is a missing characteristic, and then subpoint C is a something climax. <clears throat>
a merciful climax. Jonah 4, 10 to 11, and then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd. Isn't that he had pity on the gourd? It's kind of interesting. Pity. For the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. You know, God closes this story with a reminder of His mercy. Perhaps in our opinion, and certainly in Jonah's, you no, know, Nineveh didn't deserve God's mercy. You know, the truth is, neither do we. Neither did he. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, it, as Lamentations 3.22 puts it, no, indeed, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, it says Paul talking, no, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it kind of closes here with, a, with a, the lyrics of a song, no, marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. So again, like this is this kind of thing was mentioned this morning. No, the book kind of ends very interestingly. Whatever happened to Jonah? Who knows? It's not, obviously, it doesn't say. Was he? Did he, God ever use him again? We don't know. The way he was tracking, probably not. And it's also interesting. Yeah, just. If nothing else, he's just very good examples of what we should not be, attitudes on that. But it's interesting also to think, you know, God still did use him, right? God still used him to preach to those people. So is anything that stand out to anybody tonight? Kind of some, an interesting lesson. Anything stand out in particular to you? something that kind of hit me in looking at this note. A lack of joy is always a result of lack of obedience. Anything else? Anybody? Something else that kind of stood out to me, no. Another point, no. Joy in our Christian lives doesn't come because of what we know. It doesn't come from, no, the amount of 
knowledge that we've accumulated or all the stuff we've read, how many times we've read our Bible, you know what I mean? Obviously, doing good things is good, but think of the Dead Sea. It has all that input, but there's never any output. And joy is a result of what we do with the things that we know to be right. Because you think about in witnessing, I've personally experienced this myself, I'm sure you have too, you know, when the Lord puts it on your heart to like give this person a track or even if you have a conversation with them, doesn't that kind of, when you're done, doesn't that really kind of like give you like, like you can't really even explain it, but like this kind of just like real like joy that's kind of like, because you know you did right and what you were supposed to do. Um, because we did something, we did, um, we did what was right with what we knew to be right with the knowledge that we had of what was right. We did something with it. And I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's like, man, why do we do that more? <laughs> and stuff. Um, that really stood out to me. You know, joy comes with what we do with what we know to be true. Anything else? Anybody? And of course, you know, that just the whole point of the, the gratitude aspect of it. Um, he was glad, but he wasn't grateful for it. Yep. Yeah, it is definitely a lot of a lot of lessons that are kind of this kind of study has kind of brought out that maybe are deeper than what we normally think of just with, with Jonah and uh, his situations and stuff like that when we read it. But really kind of getting into it, there's just a lot of lessons and parallels and applications and, and of course. Last chance, anybody? Other thoughts before we close? Okay. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for this evening and the just the opportunity we've had to um, to be studying in, in the book of Jonah and everything, and it definitely has been a whale of lesson on obedience, that's for sure. And think of the lessons tonight, just, again, as you talk about, you know, joy comes by doing what we know to be right with what we know to be true. And... Sometimes it's so easy to not do that and help us to um, give us the grace to live what we know to be true and not just have it in our heads, but to act on it. And also just the aspect of being grateful, having a gratitude attitude, Lord. And so easy it is to, uh, again, kind of get a little bit of an entitled kind of attitude, like like Jonah had here. It's really easy to get there. And I pray for, um, as we you know, go our ways you know, this evening, that you would just give us safety and bring us back together again on Wednesday. And then as uh, we start looking at um, new studies in the, in the next couple weeks, and um, just continue to, to work on our lives, that grow us, that we would continue just to be pressing onward, not just being content to stay where we're at 
but to continue to be growing and pushing forward, just to pressing forward to, to those things which are behind, or forgetting those to those things which are ahead, forgetting those things which are behind, to press toward the mark, like as Paul talked about. Yes, so you give us safety as we get our homes this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.